0: Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influencers Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influencers.church. And now for our message.
1: I wanna look at a story in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 33. You'd be very familiar with it. It's where Jesus walks on water. There's a few things that God spoke to me out of this passage. And Uh, Just feel to encourage you with it today. So here we go, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Let me give you one more verse, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4. It says, If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. (laughs) If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. You know, as I look at the world right now, I think most of us would say that it's far from perfect. In fact, in only just a couple of years, a lot of things have changed. And it, it looks like a, a type of, of moment in life where you know this is not a very good season to start something new. This is not a good season to take a step of faith. This is not a good season to try something that you haven't tried before. In, in our human reasoning, this looks like a time in life where it's a good season just to remain where we are and wait for things to pass by. It seems like it's a good season just to hunker down in the safety of what we know and just hope and ride this thing out. And I can understand why we may feel that way. I mean, our logical minds, that makes total sense. Why on earth would you wanna step out in faith into something new or different when conditions are far from ideal? You know, a much wiser thing would be to go, well, let's just wait till things get back to some normality. Let's just wait till things change and then maybe I'll do something. But right now, it's not a good time to do that. This seems like an illogical season to start or take a step of faith. But you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that God doesn't often think like we think. (laughs) And God doesn't often do things like we would do. In fact, in Isaiah 55 verse 8 to 9, He says my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts says the Lord and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You see what may seem logical to us may seem completely illogical to God. What might seem like the wrong time for us might seem completely like the right time for God. What might seem like the safest thing for us might seem like the riskiest thing to God because He doesn't think like we think and He doesn't often do what we do because His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. In this story in Matthew 14, the disciples are instructed by Jesus to get onto a boat and travel over the lake to the other side while He remains and dismisses the crowd. Now this crowd that Jesus is talking about in the the text here, this crowd is what remained of the 5,000 men plus women and children who had been recipients of the miracle of the multiplication of the five loaves and the two fish. Now the reason this crowd happened to be in this place at this time was because a little bit earlier Jesus had received news that his cousin John the Baptist had been murdered. And Jesus wanted to retreat to a remote place to take some time out to be by himself just to spend time with his heavenly Father as he grieved. The problem was at this time in Jesus' ministry, notoriety around what he was doing was starting to grow. And so, when all these, a few people heard where Jesus had gone off to, the news spread all through the region. And by the time Jesus got there, a huge crowd of people was coming to meet him. So, Jesus had only been there a short time in this place where he had come away to spend some time with the Father to be by himself. He'd only been there a few, a short while when he looked up and he saw this enormous crowd coming towards him. Now, understanding the situation, I don't think that anyone would have forsaken Jesus the opportunity to look at the crowd and say, "Hey, look, look! I I know, I know that you're looking for me. I know that you have needs right now, but you got to understand, this isn't a good time for me. The the, the conditions around this moment—they're not good. You know, I just had some really bad news. I just heard that my cousin has been murdered. You know, I just wanted to be alone with my father. Could, Could you come back another day?" But amazingly, Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, what we see Jesus do is pick himself up and he spends the entire day ministering to all these people, healing them, delivering them, teaching them. The whole day he does this. And so even though this should have been a moment for himself, this should have been a moment where no one would have, you know, discounted him the opportunity to just say, hey, look, I just need to spend some time by myself His heart was fully consumed with blessing them. But this is the Jesus that we serve. That when it could have all been about Him, it was still about us. He loves us so much. His heart's so full of compassion that even in a moment where the circumstances were just horrible, He still had a desire to bless those He loves. It, It gets to the end of the day. And the disciples, you know, they're getting a little hungry. And so they come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, you know, this is a remote place. Uh, Why don't you send the people away to get something to eat for the nearby villages? And uh, they're using the people as an excuse because they're hungry (laughs) themselves. And Jesus turns to them and he says, well, I don't need to do that. You give them something to eat. And they're like. What do you mean, Jesus? There's like, there's like thousands of people. We don't even have enough food to feed ourselves. We've only got five loaves and two fish. And so Jesus tells them to bring the five loaves and two fish to Him. And it says in Matthew chapter 14 that He directed the people to sit down on the grass and That He takes the five loaves and the two fish, He lifts them up to heaven and He thanks God and He breaks them. He hands them to the disciples and they start passing them out. And miraculously, those five loaves and two fish end up feeding and fully fully satisfying 5,000 men plus women and children. Right? It's an amazing, incredible miracle. But what I want you to recognise about this miracle is that it took place in a moment where in the natural, the conditions of stepping out in faith were far from perfect. In the natural, this was not an ideal situation for Jesus. In the natural, this was not a good day for Jesus. In the natural, this should have been a moment where he could have pulled back and said, no, I just need to retreat right now. I just need to get away from everyone. I need to be by myself. The conditions around this circumstance were screaming to Jesus, don't do anything, just stay right there. And in our human reasoning, that would have made sense. But you see, Jesus, He was in tune with the Spirit of God. And even though from human wisdom, it seemed totally illogical to God, this seemed like the right time. And because He took a step of faith in a season where the circumstances weren't perfect, He did one of the greatest miracles that he had ever done. In fact, every miracle prior to this, prior to this moment, had only influenced the individual that he was ministering to. Yet this miracle in one moment, in one move of his power, touched thousands of people in that place. And it all came about because in the middle of a season where in the natural conditions for stepping out of faith, were imperfect, Jesus listened to the voice of God and still did it anyway. This is after this takes place and all the people have eaten. It says in Matthew fourteen twenty-two that that, then he said, immediately he said to his disciples, get into the boat, go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. This miracle takes place. Jesus says, to, okay, now get into a boat go on to the other side, I'm gonna dismiss everybody. So the disciples do as Jesus asks. They get into this boat and uh, they're in the boat and they start, this is their boat, right? It's like the Condor 2000, I'm pretty sure it would've been in the Bible back then, right? So they're in the boat, the disciples are in the boat, they're traveling along and everything's going pretty smooth to begin with. There's no drama. You know, maybe they've traveled, they, they are experienced fishermen, maybe they've traveled this lake before. They're going along in the water and it's going easy and then all of a sudden the weather begins to shift and the clouds begin to come over. It begins to get dark and dim and and the wind begins to pick up and they hear a crack of lightning and a crack of thunder and all of a sudden, the disciples find themselves in a storm and the Bible says that the winds and the waves are bashing and beating against the boat so that it's starting to flow off course. So it says that the disciples, they pick up the oar and they begin to stress and they strain at the oar, trying to get back on course. But no matter how hard they try, they keep moving off in a different direction. They are in trouble. Now, interestingly, this story is not only recorded in the book of Matthew, but also in the book of Mark and John. And what's interesting about that is that Mark and John give us a little bit more details about what's happening in this moment. In the book of Mark, it uh, tells us an extra piece of information. And it says that Jesus saw from the land what was going on with the disciples in the boat. It says this in Mark chapter 6 verse 47. It says, Later that night the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land, talking about Jesus. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. So here's the disciples, they're traveling over, they're in the big storm, they're straining. And Mark tells us that Jesus, who's on the land, could see the disciples straining at the oars. Now the book of John, the Gospel of John, adds an extra piece of information. What he tells us is how far the boat was from the shore at the time. It says this in John 6, 6, verse 16. It says, oh, sorry, verse 18. It says, a strong wind was blowing and the waters grew. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat. So Matthew tells us they're in a storm. They're straining at the oars. Mark tells us that while they're doing that, Jesus can see them, the disciples in trouble, straining at the oars. And John tells us they're about three or four miles away from the shore at the time, which is about five or six kilometres. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about that, and what you may not know, is that if you were standing on flat ground and you were looking at an object, the furthest you can see is only about five kilometres. The reason for that is because of the curve of the earth as the earth curves, something that is, at least, that is about five kilometres away actually curves out of view. Wow. Yet it tells us that they were five or six kilometres away. Wow. So I'm like, how, how was Jesus able to see the disciples if they were already five or six kilometres away? I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, but Tony, you're forgetting something. You're forgetting that Jesus went up a mountain. He went up a mountain. Okay, that makes sense. He's up a mountain because from up here, I can see a lot further. I can see past that five or six kilometres. That's how he was able to see his disciples because he went up a... But hang on, it wasn't the middle of the day. It was the middle of the night. It was pitch black. It was pitch black. But let's say, let's say, best case scenario. Best case scenario, there was a full moon that night. There was a full moon. There was a little bit of light. That's how He was able to see the disciples. It was just a perfect night. It just worked out. The timing of it was amazing. Jesus is up the mountain, the moon's shining. He was able to see. But hang on. they were five or six kilometres away. There's no way the boat would have looked this size from five or six kilometres away. You can turn the lights on, that's a good cool. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Like five kilometres, that's 54 lengths of a football field away. That's a straight line, I looked it up on Google, from here to Mobry Hospital away five kilometers, that boat would have looked like a speck on the horizon. Even if he was up a mountain, and even if it was the middle of the night, and even if there was a perfect moon, at five kilometers, how could you see the boat, let alone the expression on their faces, to know that they were straining at the oars? So So here's my question. How was it? that Jesus was able to see that His disciples were in trouble and they needed help. How? I mean, think about this. When Jesus got close to the boat, it was so hard to see that the disciples couldn't even recognize that it was Jesus. And He was probably only 50 meters away. And yet here's Jesus five kilometers in the middle of the night. And yet it says that he saw them straining at the oars. Well, let me ask you a question. What did Jesus go up the mountain to do? To pray. It says, Matthew 14, 23, after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. I wanna encourage you that it is on the mountain of prayer that God will reveal things to you that otherwise you could not see. I wanna encourage you this morning that it is on the mountain of prayer that God will open up your spiritual eyes to see things that your spiritual eyes are limited to see. It is on the mountain of prayer that God will give you His perspective so that you can grab hold of the answers that you need. It's on the mountain of prayer that God will get you to see past your obstacles, past what your five senses can tell you. It's on the mountain of prayer that God will reveal things to you that you didn't even know were even there. It's on the mountain of prayer. Jesus was praying and the Spirit of God said, your disciples are in trouble. You know, I, 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 feel, I have feel this stirring in my heart that Jesus is beckoning us back to have a passion for prayer. That Jesus is calling us back to a place where His church prays and cries out for Him. We need to pray. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, No mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him, but it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. I wonder what things we're missing out on not knowing when we fail to prioritize spending time with God. How often are we navigating life from a limited vision when we just, when we, don't take the time to seek God's face. I wonder how much further, how much clearer, how much more vision we would have if we would prioritise prayer. How many obstacles could we avoid? Pit, pitfalls could we pass by? Or challenges could we become overcome so much easier if we simply turn to seek God's face and get His perspective? Yeah. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. In other words, in our own ability, we can only discover so much. But when we press into God, He gives us access to so much more. I honestly believe so much of the things that we're believing for are on the other side of us making the decision to pray. The breakthroughs, the miracles, the revival spirit that we're seeking, it's on the other side of us as a church choosing to pray. I believe that prayer needs to become as important to us as breathing. In that we don't do it just because we feel good but we do it because if we don't, we won't survive. That's right. come on. When we stop praying, it's like we're saying to God, it's cool, God, we've got it. We don't need you. That's a dangerous place to be, because I need God, I need Him so much. Church, I believe that God is calling us back to a, a place of prayer. I believe He's saying, come on, if my people pray, if they humble themselves, if they turn to me, they can see amazing things. You know, this Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m., every fortnight we have a one-hour prayer meeting. I would love you to come along. It's open to everyone, 7.30 to 8.30. One fortnight we do it online. The other fortnight we do it in-house, but it's always in-house, but we add online once a fortnight. We pray for our church. We pray for our nation. We pray for your needs. But you know, there's about 70 or 80 faithful people that come along to that, but I believe it should look like this. I believe it should be full. I believe God's looking for a hungry church, a passionate church, a church that knows we need you, God. We can't go without you. We don't wanna go further unless your presence goes with us. I believe God is beckoning us and calling us to pray, amen. Amen. So he starts walking out on the water towards his disciples. Now the fact that He was walking means that He didn't arrive immediately. By the time He came down the mountain, He walked through the water in those conditions, it probably took Him a couple of hours. So here's the disciples in trouble, not even knowing that Jesus is aware, yet here's Jesus with an answer, but He hasn't yet arrived, but it didn't mean He wasn't coming. See, salvation may not have come to your home yet, but it doesn't mean it isn't coming. Healing may not have come to your body yet, but it doesn't mean it isn't coming. That dream that God has put in your heart may not have seen the reality yet, but it doesn't mean that it isn't on the way. You see, the disciples, they, they didn't even know that Jesus had an answer, but the whole time He was ready, He had a solution, but He was on the way. He's on the way. He's got it sorted. Here's the thing. He loves you too much to leave you in it alone. He had an answer. You may not see it yet, but let me tell you, it is on the way. And He will move hell or high water to get to you. If He has to do something that He'd never done before, He had never done anything like this before. He'd opened many blind eyes, He healed many ears. He'd, he'd delivered many people. He had never walked on water, but He will do whatever is required. He will make a way where there's no way. He will do something that's above what you've ever seen, over and above anything you could ask, think, or imagine to get to you, to help you. No one is too far from Jesus that He can't make a way. No one has fallen too far that His grace can't reach out to you. Whatever it takes, even if you're in the messiest place, Jesus will make His way and He will get to where you are because He loves you too much. Maybe the keys can join me. He loves you too much. You know, one thing I've learned about God is that He doesn't always announce what He's up to. Often he works in secret while asking us to activate our trust in him based on his past faithfulness. You may not see the answer in this situation, but take a moment to think back how many times he's been faithful to you before. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Keep trusting, keep believing. It's on the way. So Jesus gets close to where the boat is. The disciples see this figure in the distance coming towards them and they're terrified. They think it's a ghost, they start freaking out. And the Bible tells us that Jesus picks up on their fear and immediately He cries out to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And Peter, one of the disciples, he hears this and upon hearing this, he bravely steps forward and he shouts back, Lord, if it is you, Tell me to come to you on the water. So Jesus yells back to Peter one word, come. Now, in that moment, in that moment, it would seem totally illogical for Peter to step out of that boat. In the midst of that circumstance, in the midst of those imperfect conditions, the boat, had up to this point given him all the protection that he needed. It had given him a, a safe base. It had kept him afloat. It would not seem illogical in that moment to step out of the boat, but God doesn't always think like we think. Or do what we do. Maybe you're in a situation right now where it seems like, no, the best place is just to stay right here. Things are moving all around me, but I'm not gonna move because I'm just gonna ride it out. And God is beckoning you. God is calling you. God is saying, come on. Remember that word I spoke? Remember that thing I asked you to step into? Remember that new thing I asked you to do? Because Peter set aside his human reasoning and he trusted in the Word of God, He stepped out of that boat, and He walked on water in the middle of a storm. He did something that no one else had done but Jesus. And yes, He sank, but He was the only one the next day that could say, hey, out of all those disciples, I walked on water. Why? Because in that season, He took uh, what seemed in human reasoning like an illogical step but to the Holy Spirit was exactly the step that he needed to take. You can't tell me that that wouldn't have changed Peter's life from that moment on. You can't tell me that that wouldn't have changed the limitations that he'd put on Jesus and what he could do. Here's Peter, here's what I love. He says, Jesus, tell me to come. Jesus, I'm in this situation, but I need a word from you. I need a word from you, Jesus. I need to, I don't wanna stay here. I don't wanna be stuck here. I need a word from you, Jesus. Give me a word in this season. I wanna encourage you, church, you need to get a word. If you haven't got a word, you need to get a word. You need to get a word in this season for your life, for your family, because here's what a word will do. It won't allow you to remain stuck in this place. It won't allow you to remain hunkered down in this place. Every other disciple stayed in the boat. Why? Because they didn't ask for a word. But Peter said, give me a word. I need a word from you, Jesus. A word will cause you to move when it seems like you shouldn't. A word will cause you to rise above the situation that is coming against you. The fact that He stepped out on the Word meant He stepped out on top of the storm. Uh-huh. Oh. A word from God will put what is against you under your feet. Right. A word from God will give you a boldness, give you a confidence. It will give you a reason to get up in the morning with purpose. I'm telling you, you need to get a word. I need a word. I remember there was a couple of months ago. I was at home and I was, man, I was just I was like, what is going on? I was just struggling. We were dealing with, like my wife was unhealthy at the time and praise God, she's doing so much better now. But let me tell you, it was tough, it was tough. And I was in this season where I was, and I I remember saying to to Oster, I said, you know what, I I realized what it is, I just lost my vision. I just had no vision. I was just going through the motions. I realized I didn't have a word. And I realized I was just stuck in this right, and, and nothing was, And I said, God, I need a fresh word from you, God. And I tell you, when I started seeking Jesus, something shifted in my spirit this fresh faith, this fresh hunger, this uh, just, a, 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 just a lightness in my spirit. I got my energy and my pet back, and something shifted because I said, I need a word from you, God. You need a word. What is it that God's already asked you to do that you're putting off because you're like, it doesn't seem like the right time? What is it that you, God has asked you to start or be a part of or to join or to step out into that you haven't because you're like, but the conditions aren't right. If you wait for perfect conditions, you never get anything done. He doesn't think like we think, he doesn't do what we do. Do you wanna trust more in this than you do in him? you know what happened? When Peter stepped out of that boat, two things happened. Number one, he was closer to Jesus. And number two, he ended up in this much safer place than what the boat could provide. If that boat had sunk, it couldn't lift him back up. But when he sunk, Jesus could. It's cause he stepped out on a word. You see, we think, oh, this is the safe place. This is the safe place, this has carried me. This thing, let me tell you, the things of the world are never safer than the things of God. The world's telling you, do this, do that, stay here, stay safe, write it out. Not if the Holy Spirit's asking you to do something else. That's not the safest place. The safest place is on the Word of God. Jesus said, you can build your life upon the Word of God. And the storms come and the rains fall, and guess what? You will continue to stand. You will not fall because His Word endures forever. We need a word, God. I need a word in this season. Give me a word, God. Give me a word. Let me give you one more thought and then I'm done. It says, after Peter acted on the Word of God and both he and Jesus had stepped back into the boat together. It says in Matthew 14, verse 32, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the Son of God. What that tells me is that because Peter was willing to activate his faith in God at what looked like an inopportune time, all those around him were blessed as they came to a new reality of who Jesus was. I wonder whose revelation of Jesus is on the other side of you activating your faith. I wonder whose salvation in your family and friends is on the other side of you stepping out in this season and not just remaining and staying where you are. I just believe church that, yes, it's been challenging. Yes, it's been a very difficult season. And I don't stand up here and profess to know all the different things that you're you're working through and the different challenges you've had. And I don't wanna diminish that at all. But I also know if God's given you a word, if you have a word from God, that if you leave it, perhaps the opportunity to experience something amazing might pass by. Peter had a word, but if he didn't step out on the word, maybe he never would have walked on water. If we leave it, it doesn't mean that life won't go on, but maybe you will miss out on something amazing that God has for you to experience. Something you can look back and instead of this season, all the stories you tell about all the challenges and difficulties, (laughs) This becomes a season where you talk about all the testimonies and miracles. This becomes a season where you talk about how awesome God is. Say, yeah, it was difficult, but you should hear what God did. Let me share you some testimonies of what God did through my life. Amen.
0: I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met. I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That Even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for. But we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what, the past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer, or you wanna know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.